This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Radio Marinara is brought to you by Deakin University's School of Life and Environmental Sciences. Triple R sponsors. The real story of the ocean depths begins where you left off. Wonders that defy my powers of description. The secrets that are mine alone. Good morning. It's two minutes past nine. You're tuned to 102.73 Triple R. Time for this week's edition of Radio Marinara. We are the program about all things wet and salty. My name's Bron Burton. And I'm John Ford. How are you, John? I'm doing very well. Very good. Yes. Pleased to hear it. Yes. Got a great show lined up. We do. Hey, before we get into it, thanks very much to Tim. For Vital Bits, thank you, Andrew, for Soulful Bits. For Soulful Bits. Thanks for the little... and Mary this morning. Yeah. That was lovely. And then the little tide bracket. Yeah. That came came in and it came out, which was very, you know, appropriate. That very, very nice. Yeah. I never get I never get tired of Tim's the latest. Yeah, I know. I actually came in and said you put me to shame again. Every With week. the marine related music. I know. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So thank you, Tim. Uh we are we we have got a big show. We are gonna be crossing to Sydney reasonably soon, to speak with Jemima Robinson. She is the director of the Ocean Film Festival. It is a world tour. They go to several countries. They have basically a collection, two hours worth of short and longer films all about the ocean. And it's coming up uh, the week, not this week coming up, but the following one. Mm -hmm. And um, screening at various locations. There are four in Victoria. We mentioned it a couple of weeks ago on the program. And uh, and around Australia and around the world. So very exciting to be talking to Jemima. 
Uh, John, we've got loads of news. Yeah, I'm going to bring everyone up to date about everything that's been happening around the world in the oceans over the, over the last week. So uh, a little bit about plastic, about messages in bottles, about um, the Arctic, about, yeah, a whole lot of different things. That so. giant um, uh, sea stars and other creatures watching, washing what, up. Washing on up the... on beaches. Yeah. yeah, there's been oh, we've got sea urchins in the bay and, yeah, a whole lot of stuff. Lots of stuff going yeah. on. Uh, and then Jeff's coming in uh, for sound waves and he's got a theme running this year in 2018. Um, <clears throat> if you're just tuning in or you're not sure who Jeff is, he brings us a segment every four to six weeks on, I guess, um, footage from yesteryear. Yes. Of and, and not necessarily. Sometimes we kind of move into the B grade. A lot more of them, yeah. Films. A lot of them have been mo- about movies. I yeah. guess we've had some radio radio plays maybe in the past as well. I'm not really sure. But, Docos, um, Docos, 950 Docos. Yeah, but often from from the past and and past depictions of the ocean. So it's all about you know yeah, where the and often when the when the ocean comes into um, uh, you could say um, conflict with uh, Hollywood, it tends to be some pretty interesting results. Uh, pretty you. funny results. They're always my favourite. So, yeah. <laughs> so today he the only clue he gave me is that it's where um, TV soaps meet the sea. Mm. Mm. Oh right, mm. <laughs> she, she <laughs> gets some really great one-liners out of that. Oh, what's it going to be? <laughs> Number ninety-six, the maybe. Bre- oh, I don't know. That would be good. The Brady Bunch go to the seaside or something. No, oh, I that don't know. Hawaii <laughs> episode. I don't know. Is that a soap? I don't know. That's not a soap. It'd have to be Cheers I goes to the seaside. Is that a soap? I don't know. No, that's not a soap. No, this, no you're, they're soap? all comedies. They're all, all comedies. like American sitcoms. Oh, so we're thinking like... Neighbours, Home of, and Away, oh, yeah. oh, right. Days, Days of, of Our Lives. lives oh, right. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they would go to Hawaii. Days of Our Lives. Hawaii special. Absolutely. I really hope that's not what we're getting, but who knows? Who knows? Whatever Jeff will bring will be great. That's right. So that's our program today. <laughs> yes. Should we do we'll some do weather? we do some weather. Look, we're in news. for a little bit of a cooler week, which is great. Although I hear that the long-term forecast is that we are going to have a long summer and that we're not looking for looking at sort of autumn conditions or um, rain until after Easter. So this this dry yeah, this dry dry period will continue. We may get some rain later in the week, um, but look, I mean, I'm looking at it right now, and it's you know maximum of one to five mils maybe. So to get any more rain than that, we're looking after Easter. So it's it's been a been a long dry kind of start to the year. Mm. So we're going to see that continue. Um, but as I say, won't be as uh, as warm this week as it has been. So today it's going to be a top of 24 um, with a 50% chance of less than one mil rain. So it's it's. I think that's kind of one of those things where the change, change is going to come. Dry change. Uh, and yeah, it's generally going to be a dry change. It might be a little drops of water that will probably evaporate before they even hit the ground. Uh, so it's mostly sunny, becoming cloudy later, light winds becoming southwest 15 to 25 kilometres and tending south southerly in the middle of the day um so tomorrow we've got 21 with a possible light shower so that's the only day where it's just really going to rain uh what may rain 70 percent chance of one to five mils um tuesday 21 and partly cloudy wednesday 23 and cloudy thursday 21 cloudy and then friday 27 and saturday a little bit warmer on 31 so we have the swell today as a gusty, um, I don't think I meant to read the swell net, but I'm going to today, a gusty onshore change is approaching from the southwest uh, with tiny swells across the coach. There is not much to get excited about. But the water temperature is still very warm. It's at 19 degree water temperature. So it's actually, you know, it's very warm. It's going to continue that way as well for the next month. So if you do want to get down to the, to the water, get to the beach, we'll see that, that high ocean temperature um, hang around for another month or so. Mm. Cool. Uh, tide times? Oh, tide times today. We have a, um, at Point Lonsdale, we have a high tide, uh, there was one, at 6.56am. And we have a low at 1pm today. Mm. Yeah.
Spider crabs are in. Are they? I've been seeing on the Great. social media. Very nice. Yeah, Very the nice. Uh, the annual aggregation of spider crabs. A lot of discussion on various Facebook pages about whether or not they've come into malt to mate, mm-hmm. just to hang out, mm-hmm. long weekend. <laughs> you know, it's their version of Golden Plains. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> So anyway, they're in. So if you want to go and um, wow. check out the spider crabs. What kind of music would spider crabs listen to? That's a good well, question. Spider bait. Spider, spider bait, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. but that would, yeah, anyway. Yes, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, good one. <laughs> so there you go. Can you think of any no, crabs in their name? Any bands with crab? If you've got any, think of any bands with crab in their name, put it on Facebook for us. And we'll, yeah. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, <laughs> We're over a 1,000 followers now on our Facebook page. Fantastic. We put out a little call a couple of weeks ago and people responded in droves. Lovely. Yeah. Yes. So, yes, you can contact us anytime and uh, we will get back to you. It might take a couple of weeks, <laughs> but, yep. we, but we will get there. But if you actually <laughs> send us a message on our Facebook page, that's the best way to get in touch yeah. with us. Yeah. Yep. We've got a little bit of time for a couple of bits of news and a couple of plugs. I'm going to kick off with the Wooden Boat Festival. We mentioned, of course, this is the long weekend here in Victoria anyway. Uh, various festivals on, Golden Plains we've mentioned. I've got some tracks coming up soon for those uh, like us, John, who mm-hmm. haven't made it to Golden Plains, but if you're listening from Golden Plains, and you may well be lucky you, <laughs> <laughs> we've all got friends who are there. What are you doing up and about? You yeah, should, well, you that's true. T- three hours ago. I think the know. music went till five or something, <laughs> and there's not much happening till 10, but maybe people are starting to wake up and, you know. Need a coffee. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Wooden Boat Festival is on in Geelong. And that's on every year uh, and it's it's running over the next few days as well. So, you know, if you're down that way or if you want to head down that way, there's loads of activities running until tomorrow. So they've got 150 entries. That's a lot of wooden boats mm. in the Geelong foreshore. Um, a thousand direct participants in excess of 12,000 visitors to the Waterfront Festival. So allow time for parking. You could probably go get the train down. That would mm-hmm. be a nice activity to do. Get the kids on the train down yeah, in Geelong. Yeah, lovely. Not a, not a big walk. Yep. So um, go and check that one out because the festival's fantastic. They've got dragon boat races. Nice. Yeah, and it is, remember stuff. everyone, it is a public holiday tomorrow. Yes. So, except for those that may, there are people that need to work. So, you know, I don't want to bring it up too much, but a lot of us have the day off. So if you want to go to Geelong, Wooden Boat Festival. Get down there. They've, yeah. got, um, they've got some uh, tall ships there that kids can go and check mm-hmm. out and run around and play on. So. Nice one. Mm. Well, great. I'm going to go from quite local to quite uh, global mm-hmm. uh, and some news from, uh, not great news, out of the Arctic. So I've just come out of um, what is our summer and what is the Northern Hemisphere winter. And so last year I brought you some news about the Arctic and about it being the warmest winter on record and also I believe the warmest summer on record. Um, but now we have just, um, uh, we, have just be- oh, we haven't quite beaten that. We've also with it, last year there was the least ice in winter. Now we've beaten that record again. Mm. So this winter just gone in the Northern Hemisphere, so the 1718. We've now had a new record low of ice up in the Arctic and we've had, um, and, it was, and it was the warmest winter on record, so um, around five degrees warmer than mm. average. And that's a lot. You know, five degrees is a lot. Although when you consider, you know, in some parts it might be, you know, the difference between minus 25 and minus 20, but it's, it's, it, it doesn't, doesn't feel so much. But actually in terms of the processes going on, the, the ice formation and also the lead-in time, so the melt, so the freezing and, and, the, and the melting time, so they, everything changes. So we're getting a lot of big changes happening there. Um, and there were some certain weather events that sort of created this, this warm, warm air out there, but um, it's pretty unanimous that climate change is the main thing that's driving that. So we're seeing big changes in the Arctic. I reckon the, the biggest changes we're, we're seeing 
on the planet is is happening right now in the Arctic because mm. it's just sea and ice. Whereas in the in the Antarctic, you've got that landmass underneath, so it's going to be slower to change in there. It's going to hold hold the well, the energy is going the to be stability. held held differently in stability there. But up in the Arctic, given it's just sea, so it's responding basically to sea sea temperatures. So the ice is responding to the sea temperatures um, in a big way. So and that's where we're seeing the changes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, big changes up there. Mm. Following on from that, uh, this massive storm which hit. Uh, particularly in the UK, the beast from the east, it's been called, mm. and, and the consequences of that. So I was having a look last night online. I saw it in the social, you know, very in, through Facebook during the week, but massive marine death where uh, all sorts of animals, and particularly sea stars, were washed mm. up on the British east coast. Just shocking. Thousands and thousands of dead starfish, uh, but... Um, uh, lobster as well. Mm-hmm. And crabs, and so, I saw, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So um, I'm just reading here from, um, this is a British, uh, the independent uh, news page in UK, mm-hmm. independent.co.uk, if you want to follow this one through. Uh, comment made by um, Lara Maclam, uh, who's a wildlife enthusiast there, who estimated hundreds of thousands of starfish and other sea life were washed ashore following the spell of sub-zero temperatures. Um just incredible. The, the mm. footage is just shocking. So uh, I think there's sort of a combination there because it was a big, um, big basically front coming from the east. So basically from I don't know all the way across from Siberia or somewhere. I'm not quite sure, but you know coming from um, uh, you know from Russia, um, it sort of pushed everything then from from the east to the west into the east coast of, of of Britain. But because the temperatures dropped so much and the water temperature dropped as well, so a lot of the creatures didn't have the you know they basically became very lethargic. They couldn't mm. actually hold on to anything. And in the, in the case of of sea stars, what they do, and you know, usually they sort of they can anchor themselves pretty well. They've got little tube feet um, to to wherever they are on the sediment or on the rock, um, but they they curl up. They sort of it's a defence mechanism, and because they curl up, then these big winds come and you get these big storm surge, and so they just roll along the bottom. Yeah, and together they just roll and roll and roll until they hit the beach. And if you've got a big storm surge, they push them right up the beach, and then the storm abates, and then the water goes back down, mm. and then they're, they're stranded, all stranded up the top, and they they're never you know they're never going to get back down. The water's never going to cover that into the next storm so that's right so they, they can't really come back um they come back down unless they move themselves but they don't look like they're doing that from, the, from no the i think there's just too many of them they're talking about hundreds of thousands of them yeah uh lobsters so the mm. local this has been a really big issue as well uh, having the local lobster fishing industry respond mm. to that and yeah. a, as you as always happens with these big events um local community steps up yeah, and definitely. and steps in and, and really helps. So they're trying to get the rock lobsters back into the ocean. Mm. Um, not rock lobster, sorry, just lobster. Mm. In, um, British lobster. Yeah. So, shocking. We'll put some links to that on our Facebook page because it's worth having a read and worth having a look at, at what can happen in a situation like this. Yep. Hmm. The extremes. Indeed. Mm. Hey, let's play some music. Yeah, fantastic. And we're going to get on the phone Jemima Robinson. She is director of the Ocean Film Festival. We're going to have a talk about what's coming up in the next week for that. Thursday was International Women's Day and wanted to play a track, even though it's a few days after that, but um, it's it's still very much in my mind. This is from the wonderful Lady Choir and uh, they've got a gig coming up. It's in April, so about a month away, but uh, this was recorded at Music on the Hill down on the Mornington Peninsula for International Women's Day last year in 2017. And uh, this is their version of Quiet. Put on your face, know your place, shut up and smile, I can't keep quiet. 
Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Lady Choir there and uh, featuring the vocal talents, unbelievable, of Sophie Coe, Tash Parker, Angie Hart, Emma Heaney, Tess Hildebrand-Burke and Kirsty Houston. And they're going to be playing a, a gig, a concert. At, um, it's for Simba Sessions on April 27. So it's a little while away. We'll give that one another big plug uh, at Croxton Uniting Church, April 27, Lady Choir at the Simba Sessions. It's 19 minutes past nine and you are listening to Radio Marinara here on 3RRR. Now, each year the Ocean Film Festival World Tour showcases more than two hours of the best educational and entertaining films related to the ocean looking to inspire exploration respect enjoyment and a drive to protect the oceans of the world this carefully curated selection of films documents the beauty and power of the ocean and celebrates the divers surfers and swimmers and oceanographers who dedicate their lives to the sea the 2018 ocean film festival kicks off in victoria next week the lineup is nothing short of amazing jemima robinson is director of the ocean film festival and she joins us now from sydney to tell us more good morning jemima welcome to triple r Oh, good morning. Nice to chat. Great to have you with us. Thanks so much. Now, I've obviously just given a brief introduction to the Ocean Film Festival, mm-hmm. but um, can you tell us a bit more where and when did it all begin? Yeah, look, we kicked off five years ago, and the idea was we just really, you know, we saw a lot of short films, and you never really get to see them on the big screen, and especially things like underwater films. They just look so amazing on the big screen and sound so good, and so you know, sort of pulled a collection of ocean-related films together and started touring. And from that, we're now over 100 screenings. We screen in seven countries around the globe and, yep, thousands and thousands of audience. So it's been great. It's been a whirlwind ride, but, you know, really has reinforced just how much love and passion people in Australia have for the ocean. Yeah, and you're right that often um, the, the footage is almost always spectacular, but you see little snippets here and there, and usually mm-hmm. usually these films are embedded as part of other film festivals, like the Environmental Film Festival Australia, which is a great film festival, um, but it features a lot more than ocean-related um, uh footage uh and then others like MIF and, and all sorts of others as well um so it started off small and over five years it's grown really big how at what point did it go international um in our second year actually you know, I, I guess because we're so used to you know we're an island and everyone lives by the coast and so I was quite surprised that the first place it really took off was the UK and England because I just think of oh getting in the water there <laughs> <laughs> You know, it is an island as well, and you know, there's, there's so many avid ocean lovers there. It's been phenomenal. And so, which countries um, have you got it screening in this year? Yeah, so we screen in Australia and the UK and Ireland for the first time this year. New Zealand, China, um, which is an interesting one, and also Belgium and Italy and Spain. <laughs> Um, do with uh, with countries like China that you go to uh, with language? Do you provide subtitles? Uh, is there any yeah. need for subtitles? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So often, excuse me. Sorry, often they have to they have the English subtitle and the Chinese subtitle. So there's a lot going on on screen um, <laughs> as well. So, but you know they love it, and um, it's just it's interesting to see how audiences from all around the world relate to different films and you know what what works in different places which is really interesting and intriguing for sure so is there both um sort of you know i guess short film feature film and documentary i mean what kind of what kind of um films are you you show is it 
Yeah, they're all documentaries, mm-hmm. but the good thing about it is, um, you know, so it's a competition everyone sort of enters every year, so you, it's very diverse. So from year to year, it's going to change, um, and from film to film, it changes. So this year, the shortest film is two minutes, and it's actually from Victoria, and then the longest film is... 32 minutes and it's from Latvia so um, it's kind of and then that's what I think is so great about it and so special about it you know I think going to big cinemas these days people are kind of used to seeing the same thing in the same format and certainly lots of American content whereas what this does it provides lots of different voices and lots of different um, point of views of looking at the ocean um, and and that's at different filmmakers and you know they sort of share their point of view and how it's portrayed is completely different in every single film. Yeah, and you put the call out um, a, a few months ago, didn't you, for people to mm-hmm. send their films in. How do you go about selecting you, which films to include? Well, that's definitely the hardest part of the job, 100%. So um, we got about 300 entries this year, just over. And look, from that, there's probably about 80% that you can watch straight away and go, mm, no, they're not so good. <laughs> um, and from that, you kind of narrow it down to the ones that are potential and then it's a bit like a jigsaw puzzle what's going to work with other films and you know show different aspects of the ocean and and yeah and, and different ways of talking about the film and then you get some that you just watch and you're like immediately oh my god that's a, that's 100 percent in regardless you know that, that's kind of the cornerstone of the program and you can kind of work around that so yeah it's, it's it's a fluid thing and it's always a really difficult making that choice yeah now it's the same lineup for each of the venues where you're screening isn't it yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. can we go through what you've got uh, yeah can we go through the program what have you got lined up for this year's festival yeah, you know, and that's one of the amazing things about this year that I'm so excited about is there's like so many Australian films. So we kick off with a Victorian filmmaker, um, and it, it's stunning. Like, it's so stunning. We um, are in Rowley's Reef, which is one of the most pristine reefs in the world, and it's off the coast of Western Australia. And we go underwater with a famous freediver. Her name's Ifutaki. From that, we go to the big wave surfers. So it's a film made by a Sydney surf filmmaker, Tim Benithan, and he delves into the psyche of big wave surfers, and it's stunning and awe-inspiring and terrifying all at the same time. Just watching what they do, there's lots of gasps and oohs and ahs in that one. Then we head to New Zealand and catch up with Steve, and he is an aspiring backyard sailor, and he builds a boat in his backyard in London and gets it craned out in the water and then sails it back to New Zealand. That one's a super inspirational story. Then we go back to Victoria, and um, it's one of my favourite films. It's a short two-minute film, which is a collaboration between a filmmaker and animator and a... um, composer and it's just visually stunning and it sounds amazing and yeah it's, that one's quite captivating what's, what's that one called Jamama? it's called subjacent and it's filmed all under the water in your area like in, in victoria in the bay there and it's it just shows how fierce it is underwater you know because a lot of people have this viewpoint that you know the ocean is beautiful and serene and calming well, not if you're a marine creature because everything is eating everything. <laughs> under there, you know? like I didn't know a cuttlefish could catch a shark. But it does. Yeah. You know, like this one really flips things over and it's just two minutes and, and it finishes and you're like, oh my God, what just happened there? Like the lot goes on in those two minutes. It was just really, really, really stunning. Fantastic. Um, yeah, and then we follow these two Latvians who are 
quite crazy, but also so inspiring. And they grow across the southern Atlantic. It takes them 141 days in a rowboat by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite the journey that we all go on. Um, and then, yeah, we've got four films. We catch up with an amazing Australian freediving champion, um, Christine. She's like, yeah, so she sets a whole bunch of records with her and her husband and dives with sharks, and this one is a visual piece. Like, it is incredibly stunning. Um, what happens next after that? Oh, yes, and then we go to Cairns. So we feature a film that highlights the work of the Cairns Turtle Rehab Centre, and it's a great, amazing place run by volunteers. It's 100% run by volunteers, and they have a 95% success rate rehabilitating turtles up there, and it's a beautiful story of success. Um, and then we wrap up with a film, it's actually a student film, and it's made in South Africa. Um, and it's a story of a fellow who has a shark encounter. Doesn't come off that well for him. He loses his leg, but it inspires him to change his life and go to the Paralympics. And, it's, yeah, it's a really stunning story. And then he ends up being an advocate for protecting sharks, which is amazing. Wow. Quite stunning. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic lineup. I'm going to go through the screening dates here in Victoria, and we know we have people listening interstate, so I'll mention your Facebook page at the end. If, you, if you're listening interstate and this has grabbed you, and we're sure that it will have, um, you, can, you can go to the... Uh, the, the um, well, I guess there's a website and there's also your Facebook yeah. page as well. So screening yeah. here in Victoria, uh, Geelong Village Cinemas, Friday the 20... Um, I can't read, 3rd of March. 3rd? Yes, yep. that's the one. These are all going to be out of chronological order. They're just what I've um, grabbed from your page. Hall's Gap, which I understand is already sold out. So that's um, – mm-hmm. uh, uh, actually, that one's happened, Saturday 2nd yeah, of March. Yeah, that one's happened. Yeah, how did that go? Amazing, you know, because you think – and I think that's one of the things. It's like somewhere so far from the ocean, people – that's really their only contact with the ocean going to the film. So we find that the ones away, you know, further away from the coast do equally as well. Yeah, like definitely. You know, a lot of ocean lovers there, surprisingly. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Melbourne Crown, uh, Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, 2nd, uh, sorry, the 20th of March, yep, 6.30 till 9.30. And uh, Melbourne Astor, Wednesday, the 21st of March from 7.15 till 10.15. In Rosebud, Saturday, the 24th of March from uh, 7 until 10. And you've got one in Warrnambool on the 22nd of March as well, uh, 7 until 10. Yeah, yeah, I love Warrnambool. Such a beautiful spot. To yeah, go. <laughs> that's so, always a nice one. I mean, they all are. Yes, <laughs> definitely. So, lots of places that you can go. Um, is Australia the first stop on your on your tour, Jemima? Yep, yep, absolutely. We always kick off here, and this year we're excited. We had their premiere in Cairns, so we could have all of those volunteers there helping to celebrate the work that they do. So, mm. yep, we always start in Australia and then go from there. Great. And so, where can people get more information? Yeah, if they go to oceanfilmfestival.com.au, you can watch the trailer, find all the dates, book the tickets from there, find out, and enter your film for next year as well, most importantly. Brilliant. And does it need to be a current film, or could it be a film that was made maybe a year or two ago? Yeah, within the, within two years. We, okay. You know, love to share with the audience. Yeah, great. And you've got a Facebook page as well. We'll put a link to that on our own Radio Marinara Facebook page, um, also to your website for people to get more information. Um, I've already got my tickets. I've bought my tickets. I'm going with a friend. Well, actually, my friend bought the tickets, so thank you, Jackie, if you're listening. But um, Good friend. Yeah, yeah, good friend. So really looking forward to it. I'm going to the Asta gig. I, I just I love the Asta anyway. The crown will be amazing. The screen there will be sensational. But, yeah. Yeah, it's such a good vibe there. You know, with 800 ocean lovers all in one audience together, really 
really you really do feel the love for the ocean. Fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. Hey, thanks so much for joining us and good luck with the festival. And um, yeah, so look, we'll catch up with you this time next year about um, about the 2019 Ocean Film Festival as well. But yeah, all those details to go up on our Facebook page. Can't wait. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Jemima. See you. Bye for now. Jemima Robinson there, director of the Ocean Film Festival World Tour. A world Tour. Get your tickets. Yeah, it's get them. It's only, what, two, a week or two away now. So we're running from about the 20th to 24th at different locations, I think, around around so yes. Victoria. So, yep. yeah. Indeed. 9.32, you are listening to Radio Marinara here on 3RRR. It is the long weekend, of course. It is the Labor Day long weekend. And many of you are out there in Meredith uh, at Golden Plains. And so for those of us who couldn't make it, including ourselves, John. Indeed. Thought I'd play a couple of tracks from some of the featured artists. This is the wonderful Jen Cloa and The Endless Sea, uh, taken from Hidden Hands in 2008. It's the title track. John and Ron here with you. Yes, indeed. And we just had yes, had a great chat about the international uh, the um oh, I was going to say international film festival. Well, the kind of is. ocean, the international ocean film festival. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's call it's it great. that. Yeah, for sure. Call it what it is. Yeah, we're certainly looking forward to it. But um, now we're going to bring you back, uh, get, get up to date with all the all the things that have been happening in the last week around the ocean. So to pull together all the stories. So if some of them you may have heard, some of them you may have missed. Um, look, I just want to put um, yeah, we even mentioned to a story that came out yesterday in the Age around uh, around. Our bay, so Port Phillip Bay, and uh, an urchin, and an urchin cull that's occurring. So, um, yes, it's with Parks Victoria and Deakin University. Um, they're doing an, an urchin cull because these urchins have eaten all the kelp, and there's not, you know big barrens. But we'll, we're going to do our best to get to, to get to, uh, have a, uh, someone in from from either Parks or from Deakin to talk about that. So we're going to let that let that go because there's a little bit a uh, little bit of of, of more. Um, I guess not so local, you know, news that we can get through today. So just want to put that out there. But um, look, I want to talk to you about messages in bottles. Yes. And yes, the oldest message in a bottle was found um, not long ago. It was actually in January, but it's now been reported because it's been verified as actually mm. being 132 years old. So it was um, found in Western Australia at Wedge Island, which is a little north of Perth. Yep. Um, and it was a little gin bottle of all things that was found on the beach by, by a couple just walking. And uh, and they just picked it up thinking it was, oh, it's a nice bottle. Bottle, put it on the mantelpiece, and then in it was this little lovely little rolled up piece of paper with a you know a little bit of twine in it, and yeah, and it had the date on it. Um, the date being the twelfth of June, eighteen eighty six. So cool. yeah, and like a little yellowed piece of parchment. Yeah, it was all fantastic. And so it had the the date there. It had the um, the name of the of the ship um, and the captain's name, which was sort of obscured, but it also had the coordinates of the ship. But it was a very official kind of looking looking piece of paper. So they took it into the museum, and then it's now been verified as actually being um, have been dropped from the German sailing ship Paula as, as it was crossing the Indian Ocean about nine hundred. 150 k's from um, from Australia, so in the middle of the of the Indian Ocean. Um and the way they verified it, they actually went back to the ship's log for that ship, the Paula, and it said, "On this day, we dropped a bottle overboard." 
<laughs> and how's the record keeping? Yeah, it's how just great. brilliant. Yeah, German record keeping and the fact that they kept it as well. Yeah. But the thing is, is that it wasn't just a random bottle that they dropped just for fun. It was actually part of a 64 or 69 year German experiment to try to track ocean currents. Mm. So during, um, yeah, up until I think it was 1934, they were dropping, they got all their merchant vessels and so on to drop bottles over the side um, and say, you know, please tell us where you found this. And that's what it says on it. It says, you know, please contact us in Hamburg or whatever and um, uh, to and tell us where you found this. And so they would, they would know that where the currents actually went. So it was actually part of the experiment. And so... And possibly... One of the world's oldest citizen science so, Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. So they dropped thousands of these things, thousands, really? uh, thousands and thousands, but only 662 bottles were ever found. So most of them are just, we don't know what happened to them. Um, so this makes 663. The last one was found in uh, 1934 or something. So it's been a long time since we found one. Um, but what they reckon is that it hasn't actually been drifting for 132 years. It probably drifted for only a couple of months oh, and then on the beach and then in the sand because it was in such good condition. Because realistically, if it had been floating around for 132 years, it would not be in a condition that you'd better read. You know, it would just, you just wouldn't survive. Now, I read that this bottle washed up. It was in Lancelin, which is Tim Winton country. Mm, yeah. Um, yep. And... And it's just been sitting on the dunes yep. that entire time. Yeah, that's it. So it's probably been really, you know, up in the up in the dunes and buried in the sand and pretty dry for a lot of the time. And you're right, um, it's very remote. I wonder if it's going to spark <laughs> a bit of a hunt for more of them. <laughs> Maybe. Because I wonder, because interesting what you're saying about how many thousands of these bottles were, were mm. dropped overboard and they've only recovered hundreds of them. Mm. I wonder if people kind of pick them up thinking, oh, awesome, you know, free bottle of gin, uh, just put a paper <laughs> in it and then chuck it in, <laughs> chuck it, you know, it's ended, they've all ended up in landfill or something. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. You never really know. Yeah, but I mean, even having, as, a, as, as the couple that found it, like having a 132-year-old gin bottle on the mantelpiece, it's also nice in itself. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty So amazing. we have to give a big hat tip to Ross Anderson of, I think it's the Western Australian Museum, is it? Ross yeah, is formerly, yeah. he was, he's a Victorian who's oh, gone right. over. Yes, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So good on you, Ross. He's the one who verified, yeah, they verified it over there. So and, and I How read, exciting would it be as a, as a researcher oh, to find fantastic. that? I mean, that would, yeah. And yeah. he used his contacts in Germany to, to go through that whole period. <laughs> and just, I guess, really bringing, um, bringing up also the importance of links and connections mm. and networks and all that sort of stuff too. Yeah. It's such a great story. So it's on, it's on um, display, isn't it? It's on display museum? for the next two years, yeah, at yeah. the Museum of Western Australia. So if you want to go see it, pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they've actually recorded the – they've finally recorded that – that bit of data. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be, yeah, I guess it would be interesting to see if they, if they actually have a, a map of where they, where they found them and, you know, yeah. where the oceans and currents actually went. So, yeah. 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 Awesome. Yes, we've got satellites for that stuff now, but yes, it's, uh, you know, good to say citizen science of the old days. Um, great. Look, I'm going to talk a little bit more um, now about plastic. And a couple of weeks ago when I was in, I, um, I told everyone about my experience when I was up in Eastern Arnhem Land, so in the north of Australia, about all the plastic rubbish that I found on a lot of the beaches up on the islands down there. And it was, uh, yeah, it was quite, um, it was quite shocking, really. Um, and plastic's been in the news again a lot this week, um, featured particularly from uh, a bit of footage that's come out of an island about 20 kilometres from Bali. Um, some footage of basically someone swimming, a, a scuba diver swimming underneath, you know, what is just basically a, a mat of... 
of you know like it's a shocking. ceiling of, of of plastic and a lot of these were large plastic so the, the same kind of plastics that i was seeing on the beach um which are you know a lot of the hard plastics the bottles and and the fishing nets and the you know a lot of plastic bags there as well but um uh, but other things you just yeah just a whole lot of things you wouldn't even you, you, you know it's like oh wow like little toys and all this sort of stuff that we make out of plastic um so that's been that's been certainly doing the rounds and, and causing um, you know a lot of concern as it should. Um, but there's also been a few other bits of uh, of, of news that have come up around plastic uh, in a place called the Henderson Island, which is basically in the middle of the South Pacific. They found 17 tons of rubbish on you know an uninhabited island again in the middle of nowhere. They found 17 tons of rubbish just washed up on this on the beaches of this tiny little little um, little island. Um, and a study's come up recently uh, looking at Southeast Asian reefs, so um, all around sort of Indonesia and into Australia, and they reckon that there's over 11 billion plastic items currently entangling coral reefs. And so, you know, plastic bags and everything like that, which are covering the, the, the coral themselves. What's that number again? Uh, 11 billion. Wow. Just in sort of that, that local local area. Um, and what they found is that when you have plastic covering coral, or corals, um, you get more microbes living in sort of living in there. There's less, less water exchange and so on. Uh, and they have a much higher um, likelihood of, get, of disease. So you're seeing those corals die because they have the plastic. Not because they can't breathe, not because or anything like that, but because of the actual increased disease risk. Mm. So there's a real, it is a huge issue. Um, and I talked about last time Indonesia being, you know, one of the world's second largest um, plastic um, rubbish producer. And um, it's, you know, it is a real, is it a real issue? Um, Last last time though we didn't really talk about any solutions. Unfortunately, we did. There aren't many, particularly in in in, in the sense of Indonesia. But um, I just want to then little positive points here is that um, a Dutch supermarket called Eco Plaza has opened the, the world's first plastic free shopping. Not so, just plastic bags, but plastic free. Plastic free. So what you buy, so the packaging and so on, is is plastic free wow. which is which is really cool so they've got over 700 items available and so on um which is great uh it's not you know and so that's going a lot further than um say our coles and woolworths are banning plastic bags well the thin plastic bags they'll still have the thick ones you've got to pay for um and thick i don't mean the green plastic bags but just a tougher sort of plastic bag um they'll be doing that by the end of 2018 so you know so we're slowly sort of getting there here but um you know some of the real issues in places like china and indonesia um which is really the source of a lot of this rubbish that is in the news at the moment uh is not something that we can directly address unfortunately Mm. it comes down to consumers being able to make their own choices as well Mm -hmm. i saw a friend of mine put a a, um, posting up on facebook just a couple of days ago with a single sweet potato that was wrapped in plastic and mm. on a polystyrene tray. Oh, well, you can choose not to buy that. Have you seen the organics? Any any organic vegetables now need to be wrapped in it plastic was. in in the supermarket to differentiate them. And it's just like, you know, if if you're buying organic for environmental reasons, they get, you know they just nullify that oh, with plastic and no, worse. It's just like, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks, John. Cheers. We've got Jeff in the green room, so we're going to mm-hmm. get Jeff in in a minute. Before we do that, I'm going to play a track from the Avalanches. Uh, they are a feature. Uh, group at um, Golden Plains this weekend. So this is uh, taken from their 2016 release, Wildflowers. It's called Living Underwater is Something Wild. And in the true style of avalanches, it just blends straight into the next track. Or if it just plays a single track, it cuts off. Yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, if you've just tuned in, Living Underwater is Something Wild, avalanches from Wildflower back in 2016. 9.49, 11 minutes to 10. Good morning, Jeff Maynard. Good morning, Brian. How are you? I'm pretty darn good. Excellent. And I've got a show. Actually, I'll, I'll start off by saying, 
and I'll quote, just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, <laughs> a tale of a fateful trip. Yeah, um, I'm continuing my theme of Aussie TV shows with a sort of marinated theme. I thought you were about to launch into Gilligan's Island. Well, it's Gilligan's Island meets Neighbours. <laughs> oh, my God. So it's kind of soap. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's in Australia. It was made by Channel uh, Channel 10 or mm-hmm. Channel O, I think it was in those days, the O10, uh, the O10 network in about 1976. And it's basically a soap with young kids set on an island. Um, now the good thing about it, it's it's uh, the good thing about it is it's got a song like Gilligan's Island. When it, if if you'd watched, never watched Gilligan's Island, and you came in on the third season and sat down and thought, what's this about? The song starts off with you know I'm going to tell you a tale and the little ship, the minnow, and the millionaire and blah blah blah. And so the song tells you the whole thing, right? And that's the beautiful thing. I don't have to do any work here because this, the opening song tells you the whole story of of this. TV soap series, which ran for months and years or whatever, because what they've done is they've taken, and I'll quote, children from all different places with all different faces, and they've stuck them on a sailing ship, sent them out for whatever reason we don't know, and the ship sinks and they get shipwrecked. So let's let's have a listen to the opening song and, and you'll get the backstory. sailing ship there were 40 boys and girls they would sail their ship around the globe so they called it the united world the ship was just three weeks from shore when a hurricane bore it down the waves were big as mountains they felt they would surely drown they jumped into the lifeboats rode away from the wreck they didn't count them they hadn't time five children Yeah. How many were left behind? Five. So what happened to the other thirty-five? Well, they, they got saved. Oh right, okay. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a multicultural crew. Uh, a crew originally. Some some guy had the bright idea of sticking a whole lot of sort of hormone-free nineteen-year-olds <laughs> on a sailing ship and sailing them around the world, <laughs> where where they all sort of just I don't know the purpose of the thing. Uh, uh, and it was about as multicultural as a Donald Trump campaign rally. It really was. You know, diversity with someone was a brunette occasionally. Or something like that, yeah. But all these oh, kids are no. all these kids are on this sort of sailing ship. They're their flares and their 70s shirts going around the world and the ship sinks but five of them get forgotten and left behind and they make it to the lost islands uh, which are islands in the pacific that are surprisingly lost right you know missed missed google maps completely anyway these five kids there's two girls um uh three guys uh they get to the lost island and what it's really cool on the lost islands is there's somebody already there 200 years ago, a convict ship was on its way to Australia. It got shipwrecked on the Lost Island and the people have been living there in a secret community ever since, still living, dressing and uh, supposedly talking 19th century English, you know, there be the ship and all that stuff, uh, on these Lost Islands. And they've bred and they've formed a community and it's ruled over by an evil guy called Q. Who rules this community? And Q, Q is two hundred years old. He eats magic seaweed or something like that. And he doesn't die. Anyway, these, these five, 
20th century kids land up in this community and, and this is where the good soap, soapy starts. But anyway, the, 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 the song is so good. I've got to keep going with the song to tell you the next part of the backstory. The children fought the storm all night and while they fell asleep They didn't realise the ship had been blown across a reef into the lost islands Hiding in the bushes was a watchful pair of eyes And living in the valley were people lost in time Ruled over by a tyrant whose face was in a mask Children must defeat him so they can escape at last from the lost islands. The lost islands. The setup. Now we, we basically got these kind of kids running around, and in the uh, the nineteenth century, people there's lots of surprisingly eighteen and nineteen year old hormone free kids running around too. <laughs> And, and so for the next, 20, I think it was like 26 or something episodes, they all have relationships. And, uh, but a good family hides the, uh, the five shipwreck survivors from the evil Q, the evil man who rules over the, the lost islands. Um, and in the episode I picked out, I wanted to keep the maritime theme going, uh, Tony, who is one of the shipwreck kids, meets Bess, one of the sort of... Convict descendants. Convict descendants. And Tony builds a surfboard. And so he has to explain. And he, he carves his surfboard. Beautiful done, actually, for whatever tools he used. Um, and he's this is surfing. like the, the version of the coconut cream pie yeah. that Marianne used to. Yeah, that's, yeah. just whip one of those up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Tony builds his surfboard and uh, one of the other girls from the sort of the modern girls has to explain to the family that's hiding them exactly what a surfboard is. And Bess and Tony have become friends, you say? Yeah, it would seem so. We were worried she might tell someone about us. You understand? Can I see Tony's board? What be this thing called a surfboard? You say Tony has taught Bess how to use it? Yes, Tony made it from light wood. And he smoothed it back until it is almost flat. It floats in water and when you are in the sea, it can lift you up onto a wave and the board will carry you right into the shore. All over the world it is done. I would like one day to see this board. <laughs> so, so we're What just, were the mix of accents there? That was well, just... No, was... The, the multicultural... Uh, the, the, the German accent was a... Ger- she, one of the girls on board the original ship, the multicultural ship, she was... Blind, right, she was... Ge- okay, right. Aryan okay, stock. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so she had a German accent. <laughs> okay. You know? So just that's how we got the, the diversity in there. And then there's the, the ye olde... The uh, well, ye olde we, ones, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then there's a, yeah. someone with a young 70s Australian accent. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah. Fantastic. But, but anyway, look, look, it does get more complicated because there's two, two guys running around who are sort of syncophantic cues uh, henchmen and they've got wonderful sort of beards down to their false beards, obviously. They look, they look ridiculous. But they've spent their life perfecting sort of pantomime pirate talk and they're chasing Tony and Bess trying to figure out whether they should go to the evil queue and explain that that Bess um, is, is you know they found this newcomer to the beach and he's got this odd thing, I think. So so if you think those people are having trouble explaining what a surfboard is, wait till you hear what a, a sort of pantomime pirate from the nineteenth century tries to explain a surfboard. <laughs> so this is two guys uh, hiding in the sand dunes, watching Tony and Bess frolic without touching on the beach and occasionally <laughs> jump in and go surfing. 
We must separate the wench from the boy. Then we cannot touch the stranger. Not if they've become cronies. I say we do. And I say not. Now the mighty cute dotes on the girl. I'll not let this chance slip by. He's there. Right at the tip of our fingers. All we have to do is nab him. Hey! We should know how the cue will react. Did they risk upsetting the girl? Or do you fancy the notion of becoming crab meat? Look there. He floats on a bit of wood. Just like the Quinn Brat said. They'll drown. The both of them. If that be an example of the strangeness practiced in the world outside, then the world outside be a madhouse. <laughs> so so uh, surfing comes to sort of 19th century pirates. Um, it was it was actually, um, well, let's be honest, it was a dreadful show. And, and when you go through IMDb, uh, finding anybody who did anything else, uh, there's, interestingly enough, a lot, of, a lot of the cameramen, the DOPs and the directors and things that worked on the show in the 70s went on to some... Uh, good film careers and things like that but the actual actors they had of all these uh, 19 year old kids uh, they kind of having you know IMDB have you know well known for and this sort of nothing is, you know. so one season is that all had yeah 26 episodes 26 episodes pa- apparently long, it was you, you can find it on YouTube apparently it was big in Israel apparently right. in 76 or something Israel had one TV channel yeah and uh, they played this a lot and it became right. a real cult thing in, in Israel so the actual um, what you find on YouTube all the episodes are there the, the subtitles are in Hebrew yeah. so you can um, <laughs> you can you can sing along if anyone was involved, please contact us. If you're listening right yeah, now, if anyone yeah. was involved, even if, if, if you're the guy that sang the song, the, the song at the well, start. The, I mean, the guy, we the guy to, that yeah. sang the song, uh, I, I can tell you that it was a fellow called Michael Caulfield who wrote it, and he went on to produce a lot of television. Right. And uh, uh, I don't know him personally, but he's he's a, a, a wartime or war historian. Yeah, right. So he's written quite a few books on Anzac. So I sort of know him vaguely through his work there, <laughs> which is a shared interest. Fantastic. Uh, but no, Michael, so, Michael Caulfield. What was it called again? It's called The Lost Island. The Lost. Islands. And, and it was a soapy on Channel 10 in the, in the mid-70s. Or Channel O as it was back then. Or Channel then. O as it was back then. Um, fantastic. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Was the, was the theme song the best thing about the actual show? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks also to Jemima Robinson, Director of the Ocean Film Festival. Um, we'll put those details on our Facebook page. Thank you, John. Thank you, Bron. You're back in a couple of weeks. Yep. Excellent. Thank you, Kent. He's been panelling for us today. Stay tuned for Radiotherapy. They will take you through to 11 when wonderful Dr Shane and his crew will take you through till uh, till 12 o'clock and on and on we go for wonderful Sunday programming here at Triple R next week I'm actually going to Sydney for the weekend I'll explain why when I come back and uh, Dr Beach and Dr Surf our answer to Waldorf and Statler will be in the house you're guaranteed for an entertaining Sunday morning okay have a great Sunday enjoy your long weekend and we'll catch you next week bye for now Radio Marinara is brought to you by Deakin University's School of Life and Environmental Sciences. Triple R Sponsors. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.